and he says, um, come here for a moment. I want to show you what I'm seeing. And so he, he, he's looking at it at the Viewmaster, and, and it's crazy because my husband, through this whole process, we're, we're going to the doctor, and they take you through different lenses. And they're like, is this better or is this better? What do you see more clearly in? And they're clicking the lenses to switch through every single lens to see where you're supposed to be in your eyesight. And, um, and some, were <laughs> some were like real thorough and some of them were not. But the Lord began to remind me of that. And as I'm praying for my husband, he says, you're not seeing things the way that the master sees things. And so I said, and, and I saw that thing. Well, I didn't know it was called a Viewmaster. I just remember seeing it as a kid, but I didn't know what you called it. So I went to look at pictures, and on the front of those things, it says Viewmaster. And, that, and I said, I get what you're saying, Jesus. And see, when, when you were a kid, the very first ones that came out in 1999, they had pictures of natural uh, things from around the world like waterfalls and like God's creation, things that God had created were on the films. And you can put those little cards, there were those round disc looking cards inside of it, and then you could switch it whenever you wanted to see the next picture. And the Lord began to tell me, he's like, you're not getting stuck with one picture. The, in a view master, when you're seeing through the lenses of the master, he says, there's different lenses you can go and see, but you'll never be stuck just on one because it was never created. That little machine was never created just to have one picture. You would have like 10 pictures in every single one you would slip in there. And so he gives it to me and he says, go ahead and push the button. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. And, <clears throat> and all of a sudden I went, from seeing my husband in the spirit at the doctor's office and the lens is switching to now the Lord was showing me his side of this. And so he's, he's, he's sitting there and he's, he's telling me, push the button because you're not going to be stuck here. And so I go and I grab the machine and I put it to my eyes and I'm looking through the lenses and I push the button and then the picture changes. And he says, see, this is what it looks like when you look through the view of the master, because he's our master, he's the one that controls everything. And he says, when you look through the, through the vision of what I have, what I, the way I see things, you don't have to ever be stuck. You can switch the picture whenever you want, but it's really up to you what you want to do. So I sat there and I was like, well, I want to see, I want to see all of it, God. Because this is the way I am in the spirit. I'm like, I don't want to just see one picture. I want to see all the pictures. And then I want to get another disc, and I want to put another disc in, and I want to see some more pictures. Because when I was a kid, those were so cool to have. Like you just, And sometimes you would go back and, and, and uh, go through the strips over and over again. A photographer came up with that. A real photographer who had taken these real pictures and he put it to work with the creativity of the master and made this little device that went worldwide and became a very big thing that even Disney and all these other people, they recreated it and made their own. And now you can get them in all kinds of things. But um, 
<clears throat> I started praying to the Lord because I was like, okay, in 1999, what was going on? Like when this thing was created, because I always try to dig in deep. And I'm like, this, there's more, there's more. We got to dig in here. In 1999, when this thing was created, the Brownsville revival was going on. And at this time that the revival was going on, here comes all this creativity in the atmosphere. And here comes the, the, the revival went from 1995 all the way to 2000. And I started thinking about that this morning. If you know anything about that revival, it was all about people coming and they would literally run up to the altar because the presence of God was so strong that they would like gurgitate all their mess. Like you had no choice to come repent to the Lord because the, the almighty authority, the presence of God was so heavy. I have friends that were there and they told me lots of stories about that revival. And they said, it's like you were sitting in your chair and like whatever you were doing wrong, like you just wanted to get rid of it. Like you just wanted to gurgitate it out. And you didn't even, you didn't even plan to do that. But the presence of God was so thick, you would run to the altar and just um, repent unto the Lord and everything would just come gurgitating out like a cleansing came. And it was such a purity that came in the building with all of this going on with different people. And I really feel right now God is telling us like, because I, I see things how the Lord wants us to see it. And, and <laughs> there's a lot of changes going on in our lives because God is not allowing us to get stuck this season in any one position. He doesn't want us to get comfortable because when we become comfortable, we become religious. And we begin to do things because we can and not because we want to. And not because there's a stirring in our bellies to come and worship the Lord. And so there's a difference. So I know when he, when he gave me that, he's like, you can switch it and you can switch to the master's view. I guarantee you during this revival, that's exactly what happened. They switched it to what God wanted to do and not what they wanted to do. And there's a, there's a, there's a power struggle in the spirit right now because we want to do what we want to do and God's telling us to do something else. And so we go through this battle like Jacob and we're like wrestling with God <laughs> because there's some transition God wants to do with us individually. But we keep fighting him in that transition because we want to do what we want to do. And rebellion begins to come out of us and pride begins to come out of us because we want to continue doing what we want to do. And the Lord's like, no, you, you don't understand. In Luke 16, 13, it says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will he will hold to the one and despise the other ye cannot serve God in mammon and mammon at that time of course everybody knows it was about money it was about pride it was about self-gaining activities and things that's what the mammon meant but I just began to see like such a power struggle in the body of Christ of what God wants to do this season. And we have to just begin to relinquish things back to him. We have to begin to know that in our own power, in our own doing, we can't make things happen. 
He has to come and us in agreement with heaven and what he wants to do, he will begin to make things happen on our behalf. And so um, when the disciples, they walked with Jesus, they understood he was their master because they called him master as they walked with him. In John 13, 13, it says, you call me teacher and Lord, which Lord is another word for master. And rightly so, for that is what I am. He is our master. Luke 8, 24, the disciples went and woke him saying, master, master. <laughs> this is when they're in that crazy storm. <laughs> We're going to drown. And I thought about that this morning. I just got that this morning. And I was like, some of us are, are at that point where we think we're going to drown. We're being so pressed by the enemy that we feel like, man, I, I feel like I'm going to drown. Like, I'm not going to survive this thing. I'm not going to overcome this thing. I'm, I'm so at, at a pressing with the enemy that I'm against the wall. You know, when you get cornered and you can't get out. And they tell him, Master, master, we're going to drown. And then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. See, he was trying to teach them authority in their mouths. He was trying to teach them that they had every right as sons and daughters to begin to walk with him because we can't do this season without walking with him, first of all. Second of all, he was trying to teach them to come from a place of God the Father in heaven to pull down heaven and to begin to say things to the earth of taking dominion over the earth and things on the earth to begin to take back. The storm was there. They thought they were going to drown. Here comes Jesus and says, I'm going to teach you dominion. I'm going to teach you that what you say out of your mouth has power. That's why it's important. The strongest muscle in is your tongue, what you speak. So when you're going through situations, you always speak the opposite. If you're having problems in your finances, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have a lot of money, Lord. I know that this is what the enemy wants me to feel and think, that we're broke, but we're not going to be broke. We're going to have more than enough. There's going to be an overflow. So you begin to agree with heaven, even in your home. And as you're walking with Jesus and walking in your home, you begin to say things out loud because you're agreeing with heaven. So, <clears throat> so I'm reading all this and I'm like, God, we have totally missed the authority that we have in our tongue to begin and shift and move things. And we're in this power struggle because God's trying to transition us into new things. He's trying to transition us into the next thing he has for us because we're not going to get stuck. But we have to view it from the master's view and click the little thing and say, OK, God, I'm tired of seeing this same picture over and over again. It's getting a little boring for me. Can we switch the channel? Can we switch the film to go to the next thing you have for us so I can begin to see your beauty in this situation? And let me tell you, because of the process my family's in, I'm just being transparent with my husband, the Lord prepared me for this. I had a dream about, he always prepares you when things are gonna happen. He doesn't just, things happen, boom, you're stuck. I had a dream about a couple of weeks ago that I was driving a motorcycle. 
And I'm like, I don't drive motorcycle, Jesus. But I know what it meant. It meant that the Lord was going to equip me and give me tools that this season, there's going to be times where I'm going to have to jump on the motorcycle myself and drive it. And I'm not going to have my husband to drive me and me sit in the back seat like I normally do in the natural. And he's like, you know, you've got to learn to begin to step out on your own and be strong in me where I can begin to teach you things and equip you to be where who you were supposed to be. And so, you know, and so when all this happened, I was like, okay, Lord, I, I don't understand this. I don't like this because who likes to go through change and transition? I don't think anybody does. I think if we could have the same day, like, uh, like my birthday's on Groundhog's Day. And have you ever seen that movie Groundhog? Every day is the same day over and over again. At first, you're like, hey, I can do this because I already know what's going to happen. But then after a while, you're like, make it stop. I don't want the same day over and over again. I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of being on this ride, and I want off the ride. You know, and so God is teaching us to learn how to give things back to him so we can learn how to transition. And I've been in those seasons, I'm just being transparent, where I'm kicking and I'm screaming and I'm fighting what God's saying to do. And, and I go through hardships and I go through things that I was never meant to go through. And then I've had those seasons because I've learned from the last. And I'm like, okay, God, whatever you want to do. Because I've learned to just flow with the spirit of God. And, it's, and it's so, you know, he is doing a work in us. 1 Peter 2.16, it says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. Where, if he's our master, we're his servants. We're supposed to be at his call, at whatever he wants us to do to serve the Lord. You don't serve man, but you serve Jesus. You serve God. You know? And so that's one of the things he's teaching us right now. John 15, 20. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. So here's him encouraging the disciples and saying, look, if, if, I, went, <laughs> if I went through some persecution, you might go through it too, but at the end, people will obey you because you're doing what I'm saying to do. You're moving out of Holy Spirit, out of what the Spirit of God is saying. And because of that, people will begin to, to do what you've asked them to do because of that. Um, 2 Timothy 2.21, those who cleanse themselves, this scripture reminded me a lot of that revival. Those who cleanse themselves from latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Not the good work that you want to do, but any good work God wants us to do. And so I really believe right now God's giving us an opportunity to come to him. And he says, and the Lord is really telling us, he's like, you know, I'm here with you. You're walking with me just like the disciples did. We may not see Jesus in the natural the way they did, but in the spirit, he's walking with us. And if we learn to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day, like Adam did, 
and begin to pull from that place of when we're walking, that we begin to take dominion over things and we agree with heaven, then we can begin to say that upon our homes, upon our families, upon our finances and things that we need because we're, we're a people of power. We're not a people that are weak and defeated and we have to accept what the enemy serves up to us. Because I think those days, I don't know about you, but you should be tired of those days. You should be exhausted of those days where whatever the enemy wants to feed you, you're going to receive it because of desperation. I'm so desperate. Yeah, I'll, I'll go work for a penny. No, you shouldn't be desperate. You're desperate for Jesus in your life, but you never become desperate as into the enemy that you'll do whatever the enemy wants you to do because you have to begin to agree with heaven. <clears throat> John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. <coughs> honor comes out of the process of you following the father of you following Holy Spirit, honor will come in your house, honor will come upon your family, honor will come into, into what, everything you do, your job, everything. And people that are around you will begin to see that side of you that they will begin to honor you even when you don't expect it from them because they begin to see who you really are. <clears throat> it's just, you know, the Lord, he's just doing, you know, when he was taking me through this process of the view master, you know, he started relating it to heaven for me. And he says, you know, you're living from this world and you're seeing things through the view of this world, but you have not tapped into the things of heaven. Because if you had tapped into the things of heaven, your perspective and view of your situation, it would be different. Because what heaven says, what God is on intercession on the throne for us about, doesn't look like what we're seeing here in this world and in the natural. You know, out here, they're putting up all the Christmas stuff. And I drove by this morning and I was like, it's way before it's time. It's not Christmas yet, but we have Christmas things out there. So I see things in the spirit. I'm like, God, I take that. I see that as favor. If you say it's, if, if you're allowing this to happen before it's supposed to happen, because God says the timing of all things, then I'll take it in the spirit and I'll say, okay, God, I'll take that favor. It can be Christmas whenever you want it to be Christmas. It doesn't have to only be on the 24th and 25th or whatever days, because everybody argues about that. <laughs> that's not the real date and we know that calm down <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I, see we focus so much on those little bitty things that that we don't see what God's saying and God wants you know my husband released that word take your vision higher you know it's true we're not being eagles as we were created to be and we're not soaring above the storm and we're not catching the wind of Jesus and seeing what the Lord is saying through the circumstance. And I'm telling you, through this whole process, people have been sending my husband messages saying, brother, you're going to be okay. 
Next year is 2020, perfect vision. God's getting you ready. God's preparing you for what he's going to do with you this season. See, because they're, they're a company of heaven. And all of us need a company of heaven right now. That we're not going to see the situation as we see it in the natural, but we're going to pull from heaven and see it through the eyes of heaven that when we speak out of our mouths, we're speaking life and not death. So you, we may see all these operations and all these things, but we're like, yes, Jesus, we'll take the 2020 vision for the new year in the spirit and that's how we pull forward because our view of things is of a heavenly aspect and not our natural aspect of this world. You should have you heard the doctors when we were there, the specialists. I mean, if I wouldn't have been a believer, I probably would have gone home and gotten depressed. My husband probably would have gone home and gotten so depressed with the report that he gave us. He was this Indian doctor who's not a believer and, and my husband asked him, are you a believer, sir? And he's like, in God. And I was like, he's from India, remember? You know, like, <laughs> they believe in like 30 gods. Yeah, he believes in God. <laughs> but the way that they came to him, like, I just saw the enemy in it. And, and the report they gave was like of the enemy. And I was sitting there, and the lady didn't even know what to do because I'm sitting there speaking in tongues the whole time they're doing part of the process. And the lady's, like, looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, if he can praise his God and he can come in here and say, yeah, I believe in God, then I can sit here and pray in tongues and pull from heaven over my husband for the process he's going through. There's no difference. Because, see, people are very bold right now for the things that are not of the Lord. And sometimes we have to become very bold for the things of the Lord and speak out of our mouths and begin to take our position. I posted this thing this morning that one of my friends had posted, and it was so good because sometimes we don't see ourselves this way. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But I posted it on my Facebook, and I was like, this is the apostolic. This is what it's about. Um, and people do not tend to look at themselves this way. It says the church is not an audience to be entertained, but it's an army to be empowered. We, we are the army of God. We cannot stay quiet anymore. We got to begin to speak to things. We got to begin to activate things in ourselves. The, the master's view is here. I remember we took a trip when we were in Arizona and we went to see the Grand Canyon. And when I got there and I looked over the Grand Canyon, I was like floored. I was like, oh my God. These are the kind of things that you see in the natural that you know that there's a God way bigger than anything to create something so magnificent and so beautiful as this. And it just blew me away because it was so, like it was breathtaking beautiful. I've never seen anything as beautiful until I saw that and it took my breath away. I was like, now I understand when, they, when people say it takes your breath away because that's what happened to me. I looked over and I was like, oh my God, like the details of this thing were insane. The colors and the different structures and the mountains and all this was insane. I was like, only God could have created this. The master made this masterpiece. 
we're his masterpiece and he's working on us piece by piece if we allow him he wants to finish the very thing he created to look like him it's a work in progress he's working on us and he's painting another piece of us every day and he's like oh yeah let me put a little red let me put a little flower here let me do this and let me do that and in that process you have to just be willing to come to him and saying lord just you do it you do it all i don't have to be in your way i don't have to tell you paint it this way make it that way how many of us have gotten into that place where we begin to do those things i know i have sometimes because we can get into that place of ha wanting control when you're in a place of wanting control over things it's real hard to access heaven like that because it grieves the holy spirit so you have to begin to come to a place of humility not of pride but of humility and 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 throw your face to the ground i'm going to share with you the story that really spoke about humility you know if we can turn to let me go ahead and pull this up let's go here to first samuel 24. david was a huge person who came from a place of humility he knew his authority he knew his power he knew what god wanted to do but at the same time he also knew that he had a master and as the master servant he could only do so much in his own power he couldn't do anything without god he had to come and ask him for everything david spares saul's life let's start on the on on verse one after saul returned from pursuing the philistines he was told david is in the desert and the end jedi so saul took three thousand able young men from all israel and set them out to look for david for his men near the crags of the wild goats he came to the sheep pens along the way and a cave was there and saul went in to relieve himself david and his men were far back in the in the cave and the men said this is the day the lord has spoke of when he said to you i will give you your enemy into your hands for you to deal with with as you wish then david crept up unnoticed and cut a corner off of saul's robe this is david in his authority and his position with the with the lord afterwards david was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe he said to his men the lord forbid that i should do such a thing to my master the lord's anointed or lay my hand on him for the he, for he is the anointed of the lord with these words david sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack saul and saul left the cave and went his way david at this time was fighting for his life the enemy had come saul sent out army after army to come after david to find david i know in our own lives let's come to a now time people have come against you sometimes people have said things about you sometimes and a lot of the times our reaction would not be like david's 
a lot of the times we react in our flesh. And here comes David. I mean, he's been fearing for his life, hiding in different places. He's been on the run from Saul's army. And he did absolutely nothing wrong. So then he comes and he cuts off a piece. And the Lord tell, and he hears from the Lord and the Lord tells him, don't touch my anointed. See, God still saw, still, still saw, still saw Saul as the anointed one. Even though Saul was a mess, he was making bad decisions, he was, he was going the wrong direction, the Lord still stepped in, and David had to view the master's view of Saul at that moment. David had a choice to be prideful or to come in humility. And look what it says if we go, it says in verse 8, Then David went out of the, out of, out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king, this is him honoring him. He says, my Lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He was honoring Saul. This is the same man that wanted him dead. This is the same man that wanted to take him out that had been after him for a long time now. And here he comes honoring him in humility, dropping down to his face on the ground, prostrated on his face, and says, and still honoring him no matter what. David bowed down, prostrated himself in his face to the ground, and he said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave, and some urged me to kill you. But I spared you, I said. I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointing. anointed. See, my father looked at the piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See, that there is nothing in my hand to indicate I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. Because he could have rebelled against him. This guy was trying to kill him. Let's be real here. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. He didn't take matters in his own hands. And he's telling Saul that. I'm not going to take matters in my own hands because it's not for me to take. But whatever wrong Saul's done to me, God's going to do it. God's going to deal with it. As the old saying goes, from evil do doers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. He knew he couldn't agree with the enemy and, 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 and do something wrong to Saul because the minute he would agree with the enemy is the minute that he would agree with, this, with Satan. Some of us agree with Satan way too much. Even in our responses to people and things that are happening around us, we respond in the way that the enemy wants us to respond and not the way the Lord wants us to. And we have to change that. This is part of the power struggle. This is the wrestling that we go through with God. Against whom has the king of Israel, this is verse 14, who are pursuing a dead dog, a flea, 
May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindict, vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? See, because David honored him, he, re he recognized, Are you David, my son? And he labeled him as his son. And he wept out loud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me, and the Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. And I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul and Saul returned home. This is such an example of humility, of looking at things through the master's view, the view master. Because David had everything to kill Saul. He could have made a bad choice and kill Saul, but he, the Lord had him recognize the anointing in him that stops David from messing with Saul to kill him, even though Saul wanted him dead. And a lot of the times the power struggle comes within ourselves with what people say and do to us instead of us giving it back to the Lord. We try to come and defend ourselves, and we try to come and, and figure it all out, and God's like, let me take care of it. Let me step in. You're not looking at things from the master's view. You're looking at it from past hurts, from past wounds, from past situations you grew up with as a kid. That's where your perspective is coming from. But if you could just put the lenses back on, you can't get stuck here and push the button to go to the next picture and the next page that's already written over your life. There's pages that are written already of your life, your purpose and your destiny for God. And I'm telling you this morning, if it's already written, why would you want to rewrite it? Don't rewrite your story. He already has your story. He knows you best than anybody in the world. Don't try to rewrite the story God's already written on your life. He already knew you were going to be where you were going to be. He already knew we were going to be here today before we even got here this morning. He knew what was going to come out of our mouths last week, yesterday, the day. He knew already. He knew the situations we would be under. But you know, when we go through things, it's supposed to make us stronger, not weaker. And that's where we we've misconceived the process of the kingdom of God. It should come and make you stronger. Through this process that my husband's going through, it has made our family stronger. It has not come to cause division or to keep us separated, but it has done the opposite of bringing us tight-knitted more together than it has come to separate. And that's what we have to begin to do. We have to begin to view things from the master's view 
and began to tight-knit things in those areas where we've agreed with the enemy and began to switch to the next thing God for us and don't get stuck in this thing that he's saying you're stuck in. Because we, we don't have to be stuck, people. We pull from heaven. We're not of this world. We don't have to live by this world. We don't have to, we don't have to agree with what the enemy is serving up to us. God is trying to flip the page today. And, and, he's, and he's flipping it over to where you have a blank piece of paper. And he says, okay, yes, you went through this. Yes, you went through that. Maybe you made a little bad choices along the way. But I'm giving you a new page. And it's blank. And if you pull from me, I'll feel the words about the story of your life that I've already spoken years ago before you were born, before you, you were even created in your mother's wound, before the enemy and came and attacked you, before the enemy came and pulled you away, before the enemy came in with his own plan on your life. Let's go back because we don't lose anything in the kingdom. Let's go back and let's get what the Lord has for us from the heavenlies. Let's stand this morning. You know, the, the Lord is really telling us it's time to die to ourselves. I'm saying this across the board for all of us. I don't care how seasoned you are in your word or how seasoned you are with the things of God. There is still always parts of us that have to die because God didn't give us those parts. The, the enemy did. And it's become a stumbling block in our lives. And God's like, I'm removing the stumbling blocks in your life this morning because I'm, because you have to be, believe that you pull from heaven. You have to believe God is coming to turn the page and saying, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't what happened the day before. You know, and we have this saying in, in our family, fix it. Just fix it and move on. Don't sit there and dwell in the wrongdoing. Don't sit there and dwell in mistakes. Don't sit there and dwell in what you don't have. But agree with heaven this morning to say, man, I'm in overflow mode. You know, my husband's going through this process and in the spirit, the Lord is overflowing him with vision in the spirit. And what the enemy's attacking him in the natural, in the spirit, he's overflowing with such vision. If I wouldn't have stopped him, he would have come and knocked down another wall this past week. Because like, I see it, I see it. And when I see it, I gotta just put my hand to the plow and I gotta just break things down and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And I, and you know, he would have already been here doing stuff. And I was like, no, calm down. But, but see, that's the way we have to be. We've gotta keep running people. We can't stop running. The race is not over yet. I don't even know who that's for. The race isn't over yet until God says it's over because God always has the last say so. And if you thought your race was over, it's not. It's just beginning. But you got to make a choice to put on your running shoes on, to put on the proper attire you need, and to run the race. You can't run the race in hills. You can't run the race, you know, in big old boots. 
God tells you use wisdom, right? Use wisdom this season. Use strategy this season. That you can get a lot further by putting on the shoes of peace this season. Be in his peace today. Carry his peace in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind. Let things settle down for a moment. When things settle down in the peace of the Father, he gives you strategy and he allows you to see things in the Holy Spirit that you didn't see before. But you get so hard on yourself and you get so hard on the decisions you've made. And God, you know that you're harder on yourself than God is on you? Sometimes you can't be that hard on yourself anymore. God's removing that today. I'm your view master. I'm giving you a slideshow. You just have to come in agreement with my slideshow and push the button to move to the next picture I have for you of your life. God, we thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for being our master. That even in the storms that erupt sometimes in our lives, God, that we call you master, master. <laughs> we feel like we're drowning, God. But then you show up and you bring calm to the storms, God. God, you're bringing calm to the storms in people's lives this morning, God. And you're bringing the overflow this morning over your children as sons and daughters, God. You're releasing the heavenly things this season, God. We're not of this world, God. We agree with heaven in unity this morning, God. For what you have for us from heaven, God. Not what the enemy's speaking, not what the enemy's saying this morning, God. God, we break the mouth of the enemy this morning and we render him powerless this morning, God. Every voice that is not of you, let it be broken and let it be gone right now in the name of Jesus. And that we can step into real freedom, real freedom in our mind, real freedom in our spirit, real freedom in our heart, God. We speak freedom over your children this morning, Lord. They're not, they're not prisoners. They're not slaves, God. They're your servants, God, because you're their master. Help us this morning, God, to view things out of your view, out of the master's view this morning, God. Every situation they're dealing with, God, every situation we're going through, God, that we would begin to see through the master's view this morning. <laughs> you know, I just see like colors right now. <laughs> and just sheetha rabashati. And I just see like some of you are going to see like a quick switch even in your vision right now. Just a quick switch. It's like when you turn on a light and you turn it on and off and it's just like a quick thing that happens to you. He's changing your vision right now. Your eyes should be on the master. That's when the vision becomes real and it becomes aligned with heaven because your eyes are on the master. They're not on anything else. Every distraction 
has to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Every distracting thing that has come to rob and steal from the children of God, we command it to be gone right now. Thoughts be still in the name of Jesus. If that's you, grab it. Grab it for yourself. If your mind is constantly going and going and it creates anxiety inside of you, grab it right now and say, God, I take that for me. Just like when I drove up and I saw the Christmas stuff. God, I take that Christmas because Christmas can be any day, God. Begin to take things from the atmosphere. Say, God, I take that for me. The settling of the mind. You would shut down the mind for just a moment, God, so we can get into real peace, Lord. Make everything calm, the storms, Lord. But Jesus, Jesus wants to walk with you this season if you just let him. He's coming alongside of you right now. Just let your pride go right now. Step into a place of humility. Take the Father's hand this morning. Begin to let him lead you in things. When you leave this morning and you go home, you're going to see things differently. You're not going to see them as mistakes or defeats. You're going to see them as you're an overcomer. As God's equipping you this season to walk into the more. And to walk into the overflow and the increase of what he has for you. Don't agree with the enemy anymore. Break the agreement right now. God, I break every agreement that I have made with the enemy. I break every agreement I've made with the enemy about myself, Lord. I break off every agreement that I've made for my family, God. God, I break every agreement, God, <laughs> that I've made over my kids with the enemy, Lord. God, I break every agreement where I've made agreement with the enemy over my finances, God. <laughs> we are called to be breakers. We're breakers of the Lord, and we gotta break that stuff off this morning. God, I break off the mindset, Lord, of depression right now. <laughs> you know, there may be people watching online and you've been real depressed lately. But God's saying, break the agreement right now. Break the agreement of depression. That's not me. Say, I break the agreement with depression right now. God, I break the agreement with sickness right now, Lord. If you're sick and you're watching, break the agreement with the sickness. I break off the agreement with the sickness and put your hand on the place where you need healing in. And say, God, I break the agreement with the enemy this morning, Lord. And I speak healing over it, Lord.
God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done this morning and all that you're going to do. As we go home today, God, let our day be different. Begin to show us in our lives, God, when we wake up tomorrow, that your joy is there every morning, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.